I am. This whole series, of course, is based upon the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' famous sermon is recorded in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But specifically, there are uh, these eight attitudes that Jesus says that we need to develop. They don't come natural to us. Remember, who you are is more important than what you do. Sometimes we get in this rat race of thinking, oh, it's all about performance. It's all about achievement. No, it's about who you are, your heart, your character, your quality. These beatitudes are not about possessing things. It's about building this interior life. And because of that, it's difficult for us, particularly, I think, as Americans, because what we're learning from Jesus in a manner is utterly at odds with the way we generally look on life. We've talked about how the Beatitudes start with blessed are they or happy are they. But Jesus' view on happiness is not something that we get by pursuing it. We would think, well, we want happiness, so we have to pursue it. But Jesus is teaching something that's almost on the contrary, and that's why it's difficult for us. I like what Professor J. Ellsworth Callis says in his book called The Beatitudes from the Backside. Listen to this quote. If we choose to live by the Beatitudes, we need to declare or we need to make a declaration of dependence. Now think about that for a moment. If you choose to live by the Beatitudes, you need to declare dependency upon God. Now, that's contrary to our American mindset. I mean, everything that we do as Americans and it's infiltrated the American church is about independence. But the Bible's saying, no, it's about relying upon God. It's about submitting to the Holy Spirit. And this Beatitudes that we're learning, I think, are going to help us. But I want you to know that it's not a quick spiritual fix. What we're teaching as a team, and Darth did a great job last week. Next week, Alan is going to be presenting. What we're presenting is not a quick fix. It's a slow process. Because often, you know, we look for logic. Well, if we do this, we're going to get this. And here this morning, it says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What does that really mean? What does it mean to be meek? What does it mean to inherit the earth? We know Jesus came and he said, I have come that you might have abundant life, life more abundantly, or NIV says life to the full. But <laughs> abundant life isn't about things or degrees or accomplishments. It can really only be defined through the biblical lens of personal character. These attitudes called the Beatitudes require courage and require us to rely and trust in the Lord. The first one, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God, speaks about humility. Everything we do needs to be out of a heart of humility. Last week, Pastor Darth talked about the grief that we experience in life. And in those times of grief, God has promised us comfort. And I've been thinking about those three areas that Pastor Darth 
reminded us were key to receiving the comfort of God. The word of God, the Bible, other people, and the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to talk about the third beatitude, the quality of meekness. And the key verse is highlighted here, Matthew 5, 5, says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. But let's take a moment and watch a video that will introduce the entire eight attitudes that we're trying to develop. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the next few minutes, we pray that your Holy Spirit will come and be our teacher. Father, the task at hand is, uh, is difficult. We live in a me world. Everything's about us, what we want, our comfort. We live in a very consumer-driven culture and unfortunately often a very consumer-driven church. Forgive us. Help us, Lord, to rely upon you, to take a declaration of dependence. We need your help. We want to develop your attitudes, God, to be people of humility, to be people who, as we mourn, will receive comfort so that we might comfort others. And Lord, today, teach us what it means to be meek, that we might inherit the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is preaching here, so he's talking about a different perspective than perhaps we would understand. When we say we'll inherit the earth, we automatically think of this earth. We think of our country. We think of our government. But Jesus is talking about what the Bible defines as a new heaven and new earth. Now, this series is not on eschatology, 
and uh, I, I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail, but we have to remember that someday Jesus will come again. He's promised. He is going to come again. This earth that we're on will be destroyed. The Bible says there'll be a new heaven and new earth. The new Jerusalem will come down from the new heaven and rest upon the new earth. We believe in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when Jesus said, we're going to inherit the earth, let's be careful not to just, you know, put that into our little framework of thinking that we're going to get more ground here on this planet. But it means that we are going to have more equity in God's kingdom. Matthew 5, 5, God's word translation says, blessed are those who are gentle. I like that word. Gentle is a good synonym for meek. Might help you understand what it means to have this attitude. Those who are meek or those who are gentle get to be part of God's kingdom and we will eventually inherit the new earth. See, again, he's not talking necessarily about the present earth, although there can be some applications there, but the new earth is what he's concerned about, God's kingdom. And that does not come from our efforts. Friends, do not buy into the theology that we can make this earth better and better and better until it becomes God's new earth. No, God's new earth will not be established until Jesus Christ himself comes back. He will restore. He will redeem. He is the answer. Now, as we begin, I want to clear up any confusion because I remember when I was a kid, I didn't want to be meek because I thought that was weak. But it's not weak. Meekness is not weakness. You can mark that down. What meekness is not weakness. It is not weakness. There's only two men in the Bible who are called meek. One is Moses and one is Jesus. Now you can look the references up later. Moses is called meek in Numbers chapter 12 verse 3. Jesus is called meek in Matthew eleven twenty nine. If you know anything about the life of Moses or anything about the life of Jesus, you would not use the word weak to describe either one of them. These are not pushovers. These are not marshmallows. Yet the Bible says they're meek because meekness is what has been defined throughout the years as strength under control. That's a great Definition of meekness. Strength, but strength under control. That's why we're talking about our reactions today. Now, the original Greek referred to a wild horse. A wild horse who has all this strength, but is tamed. Or medicine that was strong in nature that could tame a fever. So think of meekness as strength under control. And you know, that has nothing to do with us physically in our physical ability. It has to do with our heart. See, it's a heart issue. It's a spiritual virtue. It's about our responses. It's about holding our tongue. It's about our reactions. 
I'm going to paraphrase this, and I really believe I'm not, you know, in any way um, veering from the original intent of the scripture. But I think what Jesus is saying here is, happy are those who don't react to people. Think about that for a moment. Man, it is so easy to react or overreact in this day and age. I mean, it's the popular thing to do, to be extreme, right? We see it in politics. Man, if, if somebody disagrees with you, just call them a socialist. What? Just because someone wants to feed the hungry doesn't make him a socialist. Just because someone disagrees with you doesn't make them a loser. And those things creep into the church. You know, in our differences, in our doctrine, sometimes we tend to demonize one another or call people heretics. Why? Because they don't agree with the way that we agree, interpret a scripture. They still love Jesus. They're still looking to Jesus for their salvation. It's just they have a different interpretation on something. And all of a sudden, we're calling them heretics. Why? Because we react. Meek people don't react. Here's five ways that you and I can work on the attitude of meekness. How we can work on our reactions this week. Number one, the Bible teaches us to be always gentle and humble. Gentle and humble. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Will you read it with me? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I don't think a day goes by that I don't say, I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Well, if I want to be like Jesus, it says I need to be gentle and humble. And it's in that attitude of gentleness and humbleness that I'm going to find rest for my own souls. Because when I overreact to people, man, I get myself all stirred up. Sometimes I can't sleep at night. I'm so wound up, so upset at the other side of the issue. You know what I'm saying? That's why Jesus said, if you want rest for your souls, <laughs> try meekness. Try to be gentle. Try to be humble. Learn from me. Jesus was not a person that reacted negatively to the people around him. He knew how to be meek in his reactions. When Jesus responded, it wasn't out of his feelings or emotions. It was from his heart. Way too often we respond, we react out of our emotions instead of out of our heart. So again, we've got to take time to say, Lord, examine our heart. Show us what's really in there. Why was Jesus gentle? Because it came from his heart. If you're struggling with being, you know, edgy and, and harsh and prideful, that's a character issue. You got to dig deeper than your words, than your attitude. You got to look at your heart to fix the problem. And how do you know what's in your heart? You ask the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that will reveal your heart to you. 
But there's another way of giving you an indicator, and that's your words. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So when you say that irrational thing out of the emotional moment to your spouse or your child, and you immediately regret it, you need to go back into your heart and ask the Lord to grace you with more gentleness and humility. Because our words are a great indicator of what's in our heart. The reality is, you know, we don't know exactly what's in our heart until we get in a situation that we're tested. See, I don't know what's in my heart until somebody disagrees with me. And, you know, I really don't know what's in my heart until somebody offends me or wrongs me. What if somebody hurts me? What if someone betrays me? See, those reactions, <laughs> you really don't know what's inside until someone takes the needle and pops your balloon. That's the real test. Yeah, am I right? Come on, everyone's true colors come out when you're offended. Who was the most attacked and offended person who has walked on the face of the earth? Jesus. On trial before he was crucified. You know how we see Jesus? <laughs> Calm and collected. <laughs> he knew who he was. He didn't need to argue. He was secure. Sometimes Jesus wouldn't even answer people's questions. He was that secure. He didn't have to defend himself. Is what's coming out of your heart aligned with the heart of Jesus? I know it, it feels good to spew your feelings. <laughs> Spew your anger. Spew your frustrations. But man, there are benefits of being like Jesus and being meek and being humble. And the first one we just read, you will find rest. You will be more at peace if you can keep your strength and your feelings under control. Blessed are the meek. You can also then, instead of react by feelings, you can choose to respond with gentleness and humility. See, when you react, you don't use much wisdom. When you respond, you can also use wisdom in that situation. And wisdom, the Bible says, is proved by our deeds. We need to move on to number two. The Bible teaches us to be focused on the inside, not on the outside. Let's look at some scriptures here. They're all written down for you, Proverbs 31.30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman, a man, a child, a person who fears the Lord is to be praised. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, what guard your heart? 
See, it doesn't even say guard your words. It says guard your heart. Because everything you do, not just everything you say, everything you do flows from your heart. Matthew 23, 27 in the New American Standard says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanliness. See, friends, here's what I want to propose to us today. If we can get it right on the inside, the outside will take care of itself. If I can get my heart aligned to Jesus, if I can get my spiritual ears in tune with the Holy Spirit, if I can walk in gentleness and humbleness, I will be meek. Back in the day that they were just introducing computers, uh, there was a term called garbage in, garbage out. I thought about that a lot through the years. <laughs> what I put into my heart, into my soul, into my mind is going to determine what comes out. Right? You want to stop reacting to your spouse, your kids, your neighbors? Uh, you need to evaluate what are you putting in? <laughs> What's causing all these reactions? Man, if all you're doing is, is watching, you know, debates on whatever issues and you're getting all riled up, that's what you're putting in your heart. How about starting the day reading your Bible instead of checking social media? You know, sometimes I, I really just need to kind of take a social media break because, man, it has an effect on you whether you want to believe it or not. I've said this so often, particularly the last couple of years, and as the elections uh, proceed and, and we get closer even to our presidential election, I'll continue to remind you, it's better to turn off the news and turn on some worship music and just feed your spirit the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. No matter what happens here on this earth, we are secure if our hope is anchored in Jesus Christ. Man, it's so easy to, you know, see the things that you want or you don't have. How about starting your day by counting your blessings? Yeah, just maybe, maybe five things every morning you're thankful for instead of those things that you don't have that you want. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. It's very easy to do, but it's not our natural default. <laughs> but it's what Jesus wants. Let's let Jesus change our heart. Let's condition our heart. Let's feed our spirit. And then meekness will be a fruit and the outward actions and reactions will automatically change. You, you won't be so upset when your neighbor blocks your driveway. You'll handle it differently. I'm telling you. The Bible also teaches us, number three, to be students of wisdom. Proverbs 4, 6 and 7, don't turn your back on wisdom for she will protect you. 
Love her, she will guide you, or she will guard you. Getting wisdom is one of the wisest things we can do. And we get wisdom really the same way we get comfort. Those three points that Pastor Darth talked about. God's word gives us wisdom. But you know, the Bible says that we need to rely upon the scriptures and tradition. That means I need to listen to counsel. I need people around me. I need friends. I need people who love me enough that will point things out that need corrected in my life. There's wisdom in the counsel of many. You receive comfort from other people. You also receive wisdom from other people. And then, of course, we receive wisdom from the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who is our guide, who is the one that will give us discernment, give us knowledge. See, so often, I don't know about you, but I tend to react and not really take time to think through what a wise response would be. Now, sometimes I do, and I think, you know, this is what I feel like saying, but it probably would be best if I handle it this other way. And then you have to, you know, it's, you got this little angel here saying, go for the wisdom. And another little angel here says, oh, it'll feel so good if you just, you know, lay it all out there. <laughs> it's interesting that how often we're up on all the latest stuff, you know? What's happening in the world? We're up on it, you know? The latest fitness trends. We keep up with movie stars. People keep up with Christian musicians. But we know where the best deals are, you know? Where the best discounts are. We, we study, we keep up on all this stuff. But so often we neglect what's really important and will help us grow and develop pure hearts. And that is pursuing wisdom. If we pursued God's wisdom the way we pursue, you know, who's now number one in the golf circuit or, you know, baseball statistics or whatever it is, if we, nothing wrong with those things. But sometimes we do it to the neglect of the weightier matters the matters of the soul, the matters of the heart. So what I'm saying, if we wise up on the non-spiritual things, and if we don't wise up on the things that really matter, we're never going to develop these beatitudes. We're not naturally wise. God commands us to search things that are not natural. Now, there's some things that are natural, breathing, You'll never find in the Bible that thou shalt breathe. <laughs> it comes natural, right? But it's not natural to pursue wisdom. That's why he commands us to search for wisdom. Because on our own, we're not wise. We react. We cut people off in traffic. We're short-tempered. We're gossipy. And if someone does us wrong, we might not admit it, but we're always seeking ways of getting even. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us. Help us work on our heart. 
Help us to seek your spirit. Help us to read your word. Help us to study your word. Help us to pursue wisdom. Look at the scripture in Psalm. It's in your folder, Psalm 119, 98 to 100. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies. Now, this is King David writing, okay? For they are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I'm always thinking of your laws. I am even wiser than my elders, for I kept your commandments. Now, how did David know what God's commandments even were? He studied them. He says that he's wiser than anyone else because he studied. He knew God's law. He knew God's commandments. And when you really read and study God's word, it helps us to stop reacting and start living out God's word in the way that we want to, the way that we need to, the way that we ought to. There's so many good Bible plans, particularly on you version. We provide just a little devotional, Our Daily Bread. That's a good place to start. There's all sorts of ways of, in a, in a very uh, pragmatic manner, to study the Word. And I encourage us to dig in the Word and pursue wisdom. Number four, the Bible teaches us to be focused on others first. We've talked about this, but Jesus comes back to it here. If you study the Bible, you'll find out he wants you to be humble. He wants you to be meek. Galatians 5.13 says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Matthew 20, 27, 28. And if you want to be right at the top, you must serve like a slave. Your attitude must be like my own. For I, Jesus, the Messiah, did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom forever. So that's enough said on that. I mean, we know that Jesus, what he's asking us to do, it's hard because we're basically selfish. But the Holy Spirit will help us. And if we develop some of these spiritual disciplines, we can change the nature of our heart. For me, most of my reactions, you know, instead of a a wise response, comes out of defensiveness, comes out of hurt, comes out of pride. Because after all, I know who you should vote for. I, I know these issues. Yeah. Okay, finally, number five. When someone hurts you, the Bible teaches, <laughs> be an actor, not a reactor. We can spend a lot of time on this, but we, we won't. You know, Romans says, as long as it depends upon you, be at peace with everyone. That doesn't mean you'll be at peace with everyone. I have a few fractured relationships that I'm I'm still praying will be mended sometime. But I've done all that I could. See, it says, "Take take the initiative. As much as it depends upon you, I've reached out. I've remained kind. I've tried to, you know what I'm saying? That's our responsibility. Romans 12, 17, 
in Romans 12, 21, says it so clearly, don't repay evil for evil. So when someone cuts you off, don't repay them the same way. Right? Overcome evil with good. Evil with good. A fact of life, friends, is you will be hurt. <laughs> you will be. We talked about that last week, about that we're all going to have pain of, of some kind of grief. Blessed are they that mourn a separation from a loved one, whether it be a death or a divorce or, you know, moving across country or just a new season of relationships where that person's no longer there. We're all going to have hurts. And sometimes you'll be hurt by people you love and people who have loved you. <laughs> so how do we respond with a meek spirit? Because our normal reaction when people hurt us intentionally is to retaliate, right? Those are reactive responses. And we, we use it in our verbiage. You make me so bad. Well, think about how stupid that really is. That, I mean, I, mean I, I get it. I've said that before. You make me mad. So you're giving complete control over to the person who has done sometime a dumb thing and hurt you or said something they shouldn't have. See, when you say something like that, you're admitting they're controlling your emotions. Man, I want the Holy Spirit to control my emotions. I, I want to walk close enough that even I can control my own emotions with his help. Don't give other people, don't give the government, don't give anyone the power to control your emotions. Man, the moment you start reacting and retaliating and the moment you start seeking revenge and trying to get even, you've given up control of your life. That's why the scripture says here, you want rest for your soul? Uh, be meek, be gentle, be humble. You see, when you, remember I told you weakness is not the same as meekness? When you give somebody else control over your emotions, you are in a position of weakness. That's not strength under control. That's just plain weakness. Jesus said the meek person knows how to let it go, knows how to process it, knows how to work through it. That's why God says to be an actor, not a reactor in the way we respond to life. Meekness is the ability to handle a hurt without retaliation. But instead, respond with forgiveness. I know, this is hard stuff. But that's what meekness is. When you're hurt, you respond with forgiveness. Even if they haven't asked for it. Why? Because it's up to us to take the initiative. It's our response. We're controlling ourselves with the help of the Holy Spirit. I think the best definition of meekness in the Bible is this one in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he 
who rules his own spirit than he who captures a city. The question we need to ask ourselves today, (laughs) are we ruling our own spirit? Do you rule your own spirit with the help of the Lord? Or do other people rule your spirit? They know your hot buttons. <laughs> but for the person who has self-control of his or her emotions, your world becomes better, doesn't it? You can sleep at night. You might not have those physical issues you're at peace you're not all agitated all the time that I believe is the rest for your souls I had you read this out loud because I love this verse Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29 we know it says take my yoke upon you but sometimes we don't quote the last half of it I am gentle and humble and you'll find rest for your souls Back to our promise as we wrap this up today. Matthew 5, 5. Happy are the people who can control their reactions, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Let's just wrap up by talking about that for a moment. For the purposes of our lesson today, I want to propose to you, when you control your emotions and your reactions, when you have this element of meekness in play, which is strength under control, you're in control of your world. You have inherited the earth. For the person who has self-control of his emotions, the world is yours. Think about that for a moment. You're in control. You're not controlled by it or another person or a situation. If we can develop this attitude of meekness, we're no longer victims. In a sense, with the help of the Lord, you're in control. And that only happens as we strengthen our inner man, our heart. So here's the key. This is the last part of your outline. Your emotions are either controlled by two things your circumstances or your character. Your circumstances or your character. It's your choice. Jesus is saying, though, that happiness belongs to people who have self-control, who are meek. And the Lord will help you. You might say, well, I can't control my emotions. Ask the Lord to help you. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Not on your outline. It just came to me late last night. God's spirit does not make us timid, but fills us with power, love, and self-control. If you want self-control, it comes through submission to the Holy Spirit. The secret of controlling our reactions, of becoming meek, is to let God's spirit fill our life moment by moment. And friends, I believe if we ask him, he'll help you to break those patterns of overreacting 
of being negative, of always having to be defensive, of always being fearful of something that you're not comfortable with, or being angry because you're not in control. Or in my case, sometimes it's just becoming real sarcastic. But even that is, a, is an emotional reaction. Let's pray that God will give us through his spirit and through our self-disciplines to feed our heart the right kind of food. <laughs> Let's pray that God will give us the spirit and the attitude of meekness today. Here's a summary. Meekness is a strong yet teachable spirit. It's not weak. It's not spineless. It's a person who is very strong yet is humble and tender. It's a person with all the emotions and ability to take and conquer, but also able to control themselves. It's a discipline, a person who allows themselves to be God-controlled. Let's pray that the Lord will help us to walk in meekness this week. Father, today we thank you for another attitude that you desire that we develop in our life. Lord, it's difficult for us to declare dependency upon someone. But today at the close of the service, we want to say, Lord, we want to die to ourselves and we want to live for you. We want to depend upon you and your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to be blessed. We want to be happy. So help us, Lord, to have the attitudes of being humble, the attitudes, Lord, of, of proper grief, and the attitude, Lord, of being meek. Lord, I pray for each of us this week because I know every one of us will be put through the test. <laughs> because we live in a sinful life, we live in a polarized society. We live in a world that's full of selfishness and sin and pride. So God, help us to rise above all that, to bow our knee at the cross, to receive you, to allow your Holy Spirit to guide us, to be humble and gentle, Help us to be people who are meek, who keep our strength under control. Forgive us for giving control of ourselves to other people. And help us, Lord, to always give control only to you. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together.